this song's called Anything Anything. This is Anything Anything, I'm Rich Russo from a brand new compilation, ladies and gentlemen, The Bengals. That was the demo version of The Real World. The original version, of course, was on the Faulty Records EP and later the IRS EP. Can be found in this compilation as well. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to this radio program one of my favorite guests ever. Also one of the coolest chicks ever to play a guitar, the incomparable Susanna Hoffs. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, always a pleasure. So you uh, gave us fans of the Bengals a very nice Thanksgiving morning treat with this new compilation, ladies and gentlemen, the Bengals. 16 tracks, the original Bangs 45, the Faulty EP, some demos, some live cuts, taking this up prior to, I guess, All Over the Place, which was your first full-length album. And when I saw you guys at City Winery in New York City in October, you teased about this compilation and proceeded to play the entire Faulty EP, as well as the A-side of the Down Kitty single. I mean, what triggered this? And I assume this was the first time you had played all those songs in a set since probably 1982 or 1983, right? Oh, yeah. I think what triggered... Well, it's been a long dream of ours to get this music available um, in the ways that people get music nowadays. I mean, not to have to hunt at a vinyl, at a place that sells vinyl or cassettes and that we realized that it was really kind of lost music to most people, and that was uh, something we wanted to fix and make it available. So we're really thrilled about it. But it wasn't something we were considering that seriously. It was just sort of a, a thought in all of our heads. And then we did these Paisley Underground reunion shows um, in December of 2013, and we challenged ourselves uh, with the concept of playing all the old stuff, 
kind of pre, I would say, different light or, or we, we gave ourselves a, a year, like 85 maybe, so it was pre-different light, our, for our, our second Columbia record, that we would do stuff from the early days of the Bangles, and we had such a good time performing these old songs and you know I had to find them I had to find YouTube clips because I don't currently have a working turntable but I'm going to fix that okay, good. Uh, in the near future but at any rate um, so we started relearning all the songs and then we started performing and wanting just to play those songs anytime we had a chance to perform and that's kind of what happened all through 2014 every chance we got we thought well, I mean, the audience mostly doesn't know these songs, but bizarrely, people just connect with them kind of instantaneously, and I don't know what that is. Maybe we're just so happy when we play them, and I have sort of the perspective now, having been a bangle since 1981, officially, all these many years. I don't even want to do the math, but <laughs> you can do it. It's a long time, and... um and when when we play these songs, I have to say, it feels so authentically Bangles. And I don't know if it's because that those first songs that we wrote, which are the real world and, and I'm in line and all the stuff, the single and all the stuff on the EP, and uh, those those songs were kind of represented who we were, what we wanted, what mattered to us, all our influences can be seen and heard, you know, it's, it's uh, it's fun, and there was a lot of. It was still kind of post-punk, you know. It was. I don't even know if that's the right terminology, but in 1981, the punk movement had just happened in new wave, and so we were kind of part of the whole wave of that, the swirl of that musically. Those influences were huge for the Bengals, even though we were kind of melding a lot of genres: power pop and punk and 60s and garage rock. That's where we were, um, kind of in terms of of energy and influences. So I think that's why it's so fun to play that stuff now. It's Anything Anything, and we're here with Susanna Hoffs of the Bangles. It's amazing, and I've had the Faulty EP and the Down Kitty singles since probably, you know, day one or a couple of years after that. And the songs really still hold up, and even seeing them live, because that was the first time I had seen them live, and I was like, right. wow, these really do hold up. And it's amazing, as you were saying, nineteen. it doesn't feel like 1981. It's almost like your music, especially that early stuff, and even that first, the first Columbia album is very, very timeless. It like holds up in any, any year. Well, thanks. That's good to know. That's good to hear <laughs> and good to, to know that people like you respond to the music that way. And that's what we're finding with the audiences. You know, even people who were clearly not even born <laughs> will go to a club and there'll be a, a, a you know monitor guy helping get our our monitors for us going in the club and a really young person in their early twenties and they seem to respond to the music. Uh, so that's they couldn't possibly have ever heard it before. <laughs> it, it predated them. So um, that's that's a great thing to know. I'm glad. I'm excited that it's out now and. 
No, really it was, excited about it. It was fantastic. And, you know, we're here with Susanna Hobbs of the Bengals. And the Bengals have always done amazing covers, you know, Hazy Shade of Winter. And, of course, my favorite is probably when you guys covered the grassroots, Where Were You When I Needed You? Come oh, to mind. yeah. That was like a B-side. But this compilation has right. three covers. You know, you got the Paul Revere and the Raiders cover of Stepping Out, the yeah. li- a live yeah. cover of Love, Seven and Seven Is. And then, to me, oh, the real gosh. surprise of this compilation is the cover of Outside Chance by the Turtles, which was written by yeah. a pre Werewolves of London, Warren Zevon, and one of the few Turtles singles that actually didn't even make the top hundred. Who chose that song? How did you How did you come up with that? Well, we one of the things that really brought Vicky, Debbie, and I together the night we met in I, I talked to Vicky on the phone in 19, at the end of 1980, but we actually met and became the band the night we met in the garage of my parents' house in Los Angeles. And one of the first things we sat around, you know, as you do, like introducing yourselves, and the interesting fact was that all three of us who were, I mean, I was just 22. Vicky was 23. Debbie, I can't quite do the math. She was younger. Um, But um, we all had this obsessive love and were kind of 60s aficionados. We really knew our stuff. We knew bands like love we knew we knew the rare turtles songs i mean we didn't just know the hits we we had studied this stuff we had collected these vinyl records um and and had older siblings who kind of turned us on to it but mostly we just were on our own hunt for these this music and to know who the bo brummels were and the syndicate of sound and there were a few bands in L.A. that I was obsessed with, one called uh, The Last, and they did all kinds of covers of, of songs that were thought of as sort of one-hit wonder songs. But I started studying these records and, and knowing these bands, and I, it was very hard to meet other people who were the... It was like being a really, uh, like, in a group of super nerd <laughs> 60s aficionados in the, in the 80s, you know? It was, it was odd, and I think that that was the thing that made me think that, gosh, I'll get married to these two girls and <laughs> you know, spend my life with them after knowing them for two hours. It's strange when I look back on it, how quickly we decided to be a band and how long we've lasted. It's bizarre. It's amazing, and that's it shows the power of how music brings people together. And obviously, people exactly. tra- trading forty fives or showing up at a, somebody's house with a box of forty fives or a box of records and all that stuff. And speaking of the yeah. turtles, it was almost like do you know the secret password to get into this club, and we all ha- we all knew we all knew it, even though I'd never met them. It was it was such a, I mean, the first song that we played was White Rabbit, which I knew as a song, but I didn't ever, I, it sounded really hard to me. It never occurred to me. It was just two chords. Nikki <laughs> and, and Debbie taught it to me, and we played it, and it sounded like a song that we'd been playing for a long time. And that kind of was one of the things that sealed the deal and that who's, night. And who sang lead on that version of White Rabbit? Gosh, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I might have jumped in. I also had these recordings. I had cassette recordings. What I had to show for my you know, my my history as a musician um, to them, to present to them as, as like my oeuvre, you know, up until that date. <laughs> like a resume. Cassette, what'd you say? Like a cassette my resume, resume yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I had a cassette resume of songs I had recorded with my friend who I'd grown up with and dated for a while as well, David Roback, who went on to do the Rain Parade of course. and to do the band Mazzy Star. And these were very, these were sort of like pre-Mazzy Star, Mazzy Star recordings of me singing and him playing with amps cranked with reverb and doing these Velvet Underground songs and Beach Boys songs played at like half speed with reverb. We had we had a version of Little Honda, like a very trip trippy, dreamy version of a song like that, and um, you know, and, and these Velvet and Velvet Underground songs. And I ended up recording the Velvet Underground songs on um, on on uh, the Rainy Day record, which you All right. probably have. All right, the the seven inch that has the I'll Be Your Mirror. And the flip side, by the way, is the greatest cover of I'll Keep It With Mine. I mean, much better. I mean, that is the definitive. And every time I play that Thank on the radio, you. oh, it's the best. Every time I play it on the radio show, I get bombarded with emails because I don't even know if that's even really? on YouTube. Nobody can find it. I and well, I think Rough Trade is re-releasing it on a compilation. Oh, the they whole album or just that song? Uh, well, I think um, sort of nuggets from their oh, wow. their whole collection, and I don't know if they're releasing Rainy Day. Um, as a standalone record that you know the existing record or whether it's just the i'll keep it with mine uh song but um yeah people love that and and i listened to it and so many memories flood back of i mean it was essentially recorded live it was recorded at radio tokyo which was the place that all that we all went to all of us paisley underground bands and that's where david roback did you know, produced that whole album and all sorts of amazing people were playing on it. And it was just, I mean, we played the guitars. Will Glenn did the violin part and I just stood at the mic and sang it. And I sort of remember having like a bottle of Jack Daniels <laughs> for like, you know, swigs and now and again. And we just did it like in one night really fast in a few hours. And it's still, it, it has such a cool vibe to it. I love that rainy day record. Oh, it's fantastic, and the and the violin on "I'll Keep It With Mine" is almost gives you goosebumps when it comes in. It's it just really a, is. Just, it's it's an amazing version. Uh, thank you. And I would be I would be a tease to uh, people in Radio Land if I didn't play your version of "I'll Keep It With Mine." This is uh, Susanna Hoffs with David Roback as the rainy day, as we just talked about. This is just amazing. Why don't we play that right now? On anything, anything. I'm a rare 45. This is actually playing the 45 for this one. I'll keep it with mine, Susanna Hoffs, or any day.
said, I love you for what you are, but for what you're not. Anything, anything, I'm Rich Russo. The Bengals covering the Turtles, Outside Chance, written by Warren Zevon. That is available on a brand new compilation of 
outtakes and demos and stuff that hasn't been released in years called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bangles. Please pick that up wherever you can. And we're here with Susanna Hoffs joining me on the phone. So we were talking about the Turtles. Have you been following their lawsuits? I think that the Turtles are one of the great bands. I mean, I, and they deserve to get paid for their work, um, but um, I just love them so much. They, they're just like a little slice of sunshine when they come on the radio, don't you think? Oh, I mean, listen, they're, they're a very happy band. And they're always, even when you go back and watch like the old promo films of them, or even when you see interviews with Flo and Eddie, and you just see that they just look like they had a good time like every second that they were performing. They never looked like there was any stress, any drama. They're always laughing. And it's weird to see them serious now, no pun intended, going after the fact that, hey, you know, we worked our asses off. Pay us. Yeah. You know. And, And... that, yeah, for sure. And and the other thing that that I always remarked on these '60s records because you you're so familiar with them, or some of us are from having listened for for many decades, but and loving these records. But how brilliant the arrangements are on them, like just complicated and and uh, and and intricate. I, I don't know. I'm always kind of astounded because sometimes you just go into a zone when a great song comes on that sort of becomes part of the soundtrack of your own life, different things, you connect with it, and you don't ever really notice what's going on in these records, and so many great things on their records in particular. Well, especially when you think that it was all analog, and there was no, yeah. and there wasn't like the looping and the production tricks and the digital that happens right. now, so you go back and listen to, you know, which I guess is what made Pet Sounds and Sergeant Pepper oh, yeah. and a lot of those things so, so forefront because they were doing it like with no, you know, with no net. Now, you know, exactly. on GarageBand, you can make something with all sorts of layers and multi-track. But back then, I mean, right. you're recording into two-track or eight-track and And no all fixes either. No way to fix things. Right. And that was the beauty of it too. Working with Matthew Sweet, I really embraced the whole idea of, mistakes and and just not not like the imperfection of it all and and even like when you go back and you listen to again some of your favorite records you'll hear things that are really out of tune and really but it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter at all so it's it's the whole idea of of fixing stuff it just wasn't even a possibility back then it just wasn't a possibility and so it's it's just I, maybe it's part of what makes that stuff so special, or maybe it's just that I grew up with it. You know, it's always going to be my own connection. That's very cool. And you bring up uh, Matthew Sweet. So do we have any more uh, Sid and Susie coming down the line? I hope so. I mean, there are so many little lost treasures to me. I think of them as treasures that didn't make the albums, the three albums that we put out. Volume one, sixties to the seventies, and then the eighties. Um, and I, <laughs> sorry, would love to um, get together with Matthew and just, you know, look at a lot of these. I have gazillions of rough mixes and just sort of not quite finished tracks. And so my dream would be to put out a compilation of all those tracks. Which song is like the one that you sit there and say, "Wow, that's the one I would release first that the, we didn't release." minute 
um, I don't ever reveal the names of anything. Okay, in, in fair. Stuff. I just as a as a thing. So, but just. Mm-hmm. Trust me, there's some really cool. Oh, I can. No, you have great taste. Matthew has great taste. I like every time I. I always get excited every time one of those come up because I'm like, what is going to be on this this time? And I'm like, okay, oh well, my god. Now I want. I'll reveal one. I'll put it out there because maybe this. This will cosmically make it happen. When we were doing the '70s record, we were we thought that we were doing a double record, so we recorded. I think forty songs. So obviously. You know, when we found out, no, it's not going to really work to be a double album, a lot of them didn't didn't see the light of day. But as we were doing that record, we were realizing how varied the 70s were. Everything from punk to prog rock. I mean, when we had the revelation, like, we should do a song by Yes. You know, we did All Good People, Your Move, which I love. And then Steve Howe played on it. It was so fun, and I'm so glad we did that. But there was... There was the idea that, you know, disco was big in the 70s, and we never, you know, what what do we do about that? And folk rock, I mean, we did, we tried to cover all the sort of genres that are the 70s. So there is a great version, I think, that we did that I hope, you know, we'll, we'll complete of Jive Talking by the Bee Gees. Wow. Because we thought that's a great way to d- deal with kind of the disco beat, but that awesome era of the Bee Gees because both Matthew and I are like massive Bee Gees fans. And the, the riff alone, the, the, the opening riff alone is worth it. The opening riff and the whole story behind it and the and the fact that um, the, the lore about um, Secondhand News, the Fleetwood Mac song, was that Lindsay was, um, list, I don't know if this is true, but this is what I heard, um, listening to Jive Talking and something about that rhythm you know, ended up inspiring secondhand news. It it's similar riff. A complete crazy story. Yeah. So there's that. I do. I I have a really crazy rough mix of it somewhere, and I occasionally listen to it and think, we got to do this. Matthew and I have to do this. I really owe him uh, uh, an email. We've been a little out of touch since he moved away from L.A., but um, I definitely want to talk to him about it. Oh no, that would that would be fantastic. And since we're talking about, you know, uh, outtakes from Sid and Susie, you know, I remember the last time I had you on, you know, and I had seen you a couple of days later at one of the gigs. I had given you the original Prince demo of Matic Monday because you had lost it. I know. And I'm hoping that did you you found a bunch of other stuff. Will there be further compilations, oh, yeah. maybe from the Columbia albums? I mean, I know there's a ton of live stuff, but are there many unreleased demos and outtakes from them, or you guys were pretty tight? You no, know, I don't know. Out? I don't know. That's a really good question. I have to I have to think back. You know, I'm trying to make sure I keep track of all these memories before they just disappear. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think some of the outtakes that we did ended up on comp- on some of the greatest hits packages. Like, I don't think Where Were You When I Needed You, the grassroots cover you mentioned, I don't think that was ever on the album, so that came out. Right, that was a B-side of, it was from the every, it was from everything. It was a B-side right. of I'm not, one of them. I'll set you free, or it was yeah. a B side of one of yeah. them because I, or it might have been right. on. It might have been on the American no, Greatest Hits too. I think right. It might have been one of the bonus I tracks. Think it was on a, yeah. And sorry, I meant to say, or one of those, right? Right, right. And uh, so I guess the question is: Are we going to get a Bengals Christmas message this year? Oh, you mean um, the, the the things we used to put out? Yeah, the Christmas and Bangalonia, and like the wa- it was almost kind of like the oh, Beatles Christmas yeah. things, um, where it's like fifteen minutes, oh, and in the I middle there was a song. This, 
<laughs> right. I think this year, this Bengals, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Bengals is 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 it. <laughs> so we got the Thanksgiving. Kind of so we get a Thanksgiving surprise, not a Christmas surprise. Yeah. Same thing. Anything here with Susanna Hobbs, and I guess. We are kind of getting a Christmas surprise. I mean, you're going to be here actually in a couple of weeks. Actually, I'll be with Amy Mann on her holiday tour with Ted Leo. Oh, that's coming up. Yes, the return of the Amy Mann Christmas show, Susanna Hobbs, part of that. Going to be actually playing pretty much in all of the areas where you can hear anything, anything. On the 9th, which is a Tuesday of December at the Wilbur Theater in Boston for our Laser affiliate. On the 10th, Tarrytown, New York, which will cover, obviously, the peak. The 12th, which is a Friday, the Space in Westbury, which is Long Island, also cover the Peak and the New Jersey stations. New York City on Saturday the 13th at Town Hall, obviously covering the Peak and DHA and the Rat. And then at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia on the 15th and the 16th, which covers our stations down there called the Gamut. You'll be playing everywhere. See Amy Mann Christmas Show, Susanna Hoff's part of that. Coming up in December. Come see us going to be a lot of fun. And you'll be doing Christmas songs, Check it obviously. Out. It's a whole bunch of stuff. I don't want to give it away. I want to give it away. You have to come. It's going to be a, lo- a mix of a lot of fun stuff. i to get there, and obviously, hopefully, I come back and say hello to you. Perfect. It's well, a date. It's a date. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank you so Take much. Care. Feel better. I'll talk to you soon. It's so, such a pleasure to talk with you, and I will do it again. Okay, bye. The great Susanna Hobbs. Get the bangles, ladies and gentlemen, the bangles, all that cool old compilation stuff cover songs and demos and the EPs cool stuff (laughs) 